you're listening to the Dirt Pass Sermon Podcast, the podcast for the Ravenna Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor Jason Barnett, aka the Dirt Path Pastor, and my team and I strive to share the message of God's Word with you, seasoned with grace, laced with truth, and applying to your everyday life. According to a 2021 survey by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, among people aged 12 or older, older, 61.2 million people used illicit drugs in that year. So that's 21.9% of the population. 9.2 million people, 12 and older, misused opiates in that in that year. 46.3 million people aged 12 or older met the applicable criteria for having a substance use disorder. And that included a 29.5 million people who were classified as having alcohol use disorder and 24 million people who were classified as having a drug use disorder. Also in that survey, 94% of people aged 12 or older with a substance use disorder did not receive any treatment. Addiction and habits are a problem in our society. But it all begins by finding that dark hallway. And that's what this sermon from the book of Proverbs address. It's about dealing with the dark hallway. Do we have any horror movie lovers in this room? Like, you just enjoy watching horror movies? There's a few. Okay. I watch them occasionally. They're, they're not my favorite thing to watch. You know, just if there's one on every once in a while, I'll watch it. But there, there's one thing that all horror movies have in common, right? It, there's, there's that one scene where there's that one character that looks in the dark hallway that sees this dark room that knows there's a creepy, dark, scary basement, or they're just in an area outside that looks like, you know what, you probably shouldn't be here right now. But what do they do? They stay there and they keep investigating, right? We all want to yell, just don't go there. Get away from there. But every single time that character goes into the dark hallway, they go into the deep, creepy basement, They go through the garage full of chainsaws. And every time they do it, they do it either one because curiosity gets the better of them, right? They're like, I'm so curious. I just, it looks bad, but I have to know. Or or maybe maybe there's a little bit of a self-assuredness. Like, you know, I'm packing my, my Walter PPK here on my side. I'm like James Bond. There's nothing that can hurt me now. Or you've watched all of Ninja Dave's videos on TikTok and you've perfected the art of the Judy Chop, right? If you've not heard of Ninja Dave, that's something for you to do this afternoon. But they they have this self-assuredness that they are safe and nothing can hurt them, right? And then they go into the dark room, they go into the creepy basement, they go in the garage full of saws, they go outside every single time, you know what they find? Something bad. There's always a guy there that picks up that chainsaw. There's always some big scary monster that's there. 
Sometimes there's a leprechaun. But every time that scene ends the same way, there is some villain there that ends that character's time in the movie. Every single time. Now, we, we poke fun at these characters and these scenes, but do you realize we do the same thing? We come to the dark, scary hallway, we look at it, and we're like, you know what, I'm going to go down that hallway. You see, for us, when I'm talking about us going down the dark hallway, it's not a... We're walking on God's path, we're walking in God's light, and then along that pathway, off this side, we see this dark hallway, and there's something about that dark hallway that's calling us to walk down it. And sometimes it's, it's a need in our life, and, and it's, it's a legitimate need that we're missing. And there's something about that hallway that's saying, you know, if you just come down this hallway, this is there waiting for you. Sometimes it might be a desire. And we think that desire will get met in this hallway. And so we wander down that dark hallway, and before we know it, we're trapped in the enemy's scheme. We're trapped in habits and addictions that help us, that help keep us ensnared in the darkness. And that's, I think that's where this passage in Proverbs can help us today. We're looking in Proverbs chapter 7. I'm going to be reading verses 24 through 27. This is what it says. It says, Now, sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words from my mouth. Don't let your heart turn aside to her ways and don't stray onto her paths, for she has brought many down to death. Her victims are countless. Her house is the road to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, chapter 7 of Proverbs, I would encourage you to read the entire chapter. I don't have time to dig into all of it this morning, but read the entire chapter. Because the entire chapter of 7 of Proverbs is a teacher trying to instruct a group of young men. And as he's trying to instruct this group of young men, he describes the danger of crossing paths with this wayward, wild woman. This woman is out on the prowl. She's looking for pleasure while her husband is away. And so throughout chapter 7, the, the, the teacher describes a young man who encounters this woman and, and the dangers of doing so. Again, I could get into all that, but do I really need to? Now, this may not be necessary, but I'm going to give a disclaimer. Okay. This teacher is not generalizing all women this way. Okay. He, he's not doing that. He's not saying every woman we encounter is, is a danger to us. Despite what most men would, would, would say, right? Like, your, your wife is only a danger to you when you make smart out comments while she's trying to do something. Even though it's fun. But he's not, he's not making a generalized statement about women here. Uh, both, both, this can apply to both genders in this statement, right? It, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. Uh, these tactics being described in, in Proverbs 7 can apply either way. But our teacher is instructing a group of young men, specifically in these verses. 
So therefore, he's going. To, he is talking as he's talking to a group of young men. He is he is talking to them about a, a temptation that they, as young men, will encounter, and they have to be provided prepared for. So in verse twenty four, the teacher is ready to make his point. He's gone through all the dangers of count, encountering this woman and, and how she's going to approach them. And so in verse 24, he is imploring the young men listening to him, guard your heart. You're walking on God's path of light. You're going in the direction God wants you to, but but protect your heart. Guard against this temptation. And if you want to guard against this temptation, allow wisdom to be your protection. And what is wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's where this instruction is coming from. But you didn't think I'd get through that slide that fast, did you? All those points up there. Verses 25 through 27. We're going to skip one down to that here. And so in verses 25 through 27, these are his wisdom lace advice to these young men about what's going on. So what he says is, don't let your heart turn aside to her ways. That's what he says in verse 25. Don't stray onto her paths. He's saying, don't, you're going to be walking on God's path of life. You're going to encounter this dark hallway off this side. He's saying, don't go down the hallway. Don't do it. Don't take it. Verse 26, he continues, it's for she has brought many down to death. Her victims are countless. In other words, the teacher is warning the young men, don't think you're stronger than those who went before you. Look at the hallway. Look how dark it is. But if you look in the darkness close enough, you'll see the corpses of all the other people who have gone before you who walked this way and not come back out alive. Don't think you're stronger than they are. Because they thought the same thing too. Earlier in Proverbs, uh, the writer makes the comment uh, about, about the adulterous woman here. He, sa- he says, her feet go down to death, her steps lead to death. This is a dark hallway that, that the dark hallway that leads to this woman is just full of corpses. I like this quote from uh, the pulpit commentary. It says, the harlot marks her course with ruined souls as a ruthless conqueror leaves a field of battle strewn with corpses. That's what this proverb, the writer of Proverbs here is saying. Don't go down this dark hallway because if you really peer into the darkness, if you really stop and glance into it, you let your eyes adjust a little bit, you, you see, you will see the dead bodies of those who have gone before. Don't go that way. Don't, think you're, don't go that way. Don't think you're stronger. These young men might think that pathway leads to pleasure and feelings of love, but the outcome will be disaster. Now, both verses 26 and 27, they highlight the same thing. They highlight death as the outcome of going down this dark hallway. And and, and essentially what what the, the writer is screaming, if you want to summarize it, is don't give it even a thought. Don't even think of, don't, don't, don't just not go down the hallway. Don't just think you're, 
don't, don't think you're stronger than those, but don't even give it a thought about going down. Because the only thing that waits there is death. You know, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 5, doesn't he? You go back and read Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 27 through 30. What, what does he say to his disciples? You have heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I say to you, those who look at a woman lustfully have already committed adultery with her in, in their heart. Jesus is saying, don't, don't even, we need, to, we need to control, not let our thoughts and our desires control how we live our lives. Because what happens is, our desires start in our heart. They're activated by what we see, but they start in our heart, and then they corrupt our minds, and then they, can, they come out into our life. So Jesus is saying, if you want to avoid sin, if you want to avoid this, this, this sin of adultery, don't even, don't even think about it. Don't even look that way. Don't, don't think about it. Because that's where it starts at. That's where the beginning is. What I find fascinating, these young men, they were being instructed to master their thoughts and desires. To not allow their, their appetites to control what they do and what they say. You know the old saying, boys will be boys? I used to tell my youth, if boys be boys, they'd be in jail. Jesus is saying that even our, our sexual urges and desires are something that can be controlled through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what this, 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 young, this teacher is instructing to these young men. He's saying, master your thoughts, master your desires, so that way you do not wander down the dark path or dark, dark hallways that lead to destruction. Now, while, while sexual immorality is at the heart of this passage, I think it has a broader application than just that. Remember, we're talking about the dark hallways, right? We see them. And what this adulterous represents which is more than just sexual immorality. She represents, you're walking on God's path, you know what God's way is, but then you see the dark hallway, instead of doing things God's way, you leave God's path, you take the hallway, and so you reject what God says to do. You reject what God has for you. So what this dark hallway, what this adulterous woman represents is a rejection of God and God's ways. She symbolizes anything that's not on God's path for us. You see, dark hallways, they, they draw our attention. Because, let's, face, let's be honest, we have real desires in our lives. We all have things that we want. Things that we think are important that we have. And beyond desires, we all have needs. Right? Every human being on the planet, whether we, we, we need to be loved, we need to be accepted, we need to belong, because that's the way God made us. And so we have these real needs in our lives. But let's be honest, sometimes they don't get met. 
And so, so we're journeying on God's pathway for us. And because we have needs that aren't being met, because we have desires that aren't being fulfilled, as we pass by these dark hallways, they capture our attention. Because something about them says, if you go down this hallway, this need that you have, this desire that you have, will be fulfilled. That's what the dark hallway promises us every single time. You see, I mean, some of us, you know, we, we deal with, See, where's I going with this? Some of us, we live with intense pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain. We live with that pain every day. It affects the way we interact with people and in our hearts and our minds. We know we're not supposed to be living in pain like this. That's not God's will for us, but here we are. And we think to ourselves, I've got to do something to make the pain go away. And so we find something that will provide relief. We, in, in, in our efforts to find something to provide relief, we might actually find something that provides relief, or we might find something that just numbs us to it for a little while. That's what we find in the dark hallway. Some of us, we, we might live lives where we're under intense pressure. We know we have to provide for our families. We know we have to do this, get up and do this each and every day. We know the stakes of what happens if we fail. So we're living under this intense pressure. We know it's not supposed to be pressure-filled like this, so we begin to search down the dark hallway. Maybe there's something that can let the air out of this balloon. But here's the problem. When we go down the dark hallway, we might find those things there, but they're never, they're never things that last. They're always things that are temporary. And so we get that temporary fix that we need. But because it's temporary, guess what we have to do? We have to get up and we have to go look for it again. And that's how the enemy traps us. That's how we become one of the corpses littering the floor of the hallway. And if we want to leave the hallway, we have to repent. Repentance is required for leaving the hallway. Once we get down it, we're going to get trapped. We can't get out on our own. We think we're smart enough. We think we're stronger, but we're not. So we get stuck, and the enemy keeps us trapped there on this stupid hamster wheel of sin and dysfunction. And the only way out is by repenting and asking Jesus to help us. If we want to escape addiction and us in our lives, then we have to repent and ask God for help. But do you realize repentance is more than, it goes beyond just confessing sin? Do you, do you realize that repentance goes beyond just leaving the hallway? Do you realize that repentance is required to avoid the hallway too? Repentance is a word we, often, we use in the church and we associate it with sin. And we should. It's required, right? We, we, when we sin against God, when we're living in open rebellion against God, the, the, the way we get, uh, we get back in right relationship with God is not by skipping up and down and jumping on our toes or even coming in all, to the altar and weeping. Those, that, those things can be a part of that. 
Okay, maybe the weeping part at the altar. But I don't know, maybe God will tell you, God once told Ezekiel to do a lot of crazy things, so I'm not going to get between you and your conversation with God. But we associate repentance only with forgiveness from sin. And that's true, and it's necessary. Repent, but what repentance really is, what it's really about is repentance is first confession. Right? It's confessing that we are, we, are, we are humbling ourselves before God and admitting that, that we have chose to go down this dark hallway on our own and we need his help to get out. That's what repentance is. It's making that confession that we made a decision. That we chose to rebel against God. That's what confession is. But do you realize confession is, is not just that. It's, it's not enough to just say, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's confession with a change of mind and a change of direction. It's confessing to God that, yes, I committed this and I'm living in this hallway, but God, I don't want to live in this hallway anymore. I want to get out and live over here. I want to live on your pathway where you're calling me to go. And so we do that, and that's, you know, that's when we experience salvation. But again, it's, it's, repentance is more than that. Remember, it's a confession, a change of mind, and a change of direction. So, when, so yes, we, if we want to leave the dark hallway, we have to confess our sin and ask Jesus for help so that way he can give us his spirit so he can help us to change our minds so we can change the direction that we're going. But repentance is also the way we overcome temptation. It's not just help to help us overcome sin through the power of Jesus. It helps us overcome temptation itself. Now, I'll be very clear. Being tempted is not the same as sinning. You know that? If you're being tempted, that, mean, that doesn't mean you have sinned just because you're being tempted. You know, how, how do you know that, Jason? Because Jesus was tempted, and we're told Jesus was sinless. So if, being, if Jesus was tempted and temptation was sin, that means Jesus would have sinned, and that means he would have went and died on the cross for nothing. So we have faith in Jesus, who Jesus says he is, and, then, and that he was sinless, and that way when he would offer himself up on the cross for our salvation, he was that perfect sinless sacrifice. If we believe that, that means when he encounters the devil in the wilderness, he doesn't sin when he gets tempted. The temptation is not sin. And so when we are tempted, when we come to those dark hallways and, we, we, and they catch our attention, that's not temptation in that moment. Or that's not sin in that moment, that's temptation. We're being tempted to go down the hallway, but that's not sin. It's very important that we know that. Now, do you remember what Jesus does each and every time he's tempted by the devil with something? What does he do? He appeals to God's word. Every single time. Jesus, God himself, God in the flesh, what does he do when he's being tempted? He doesn't try and take the enemy on in his own strength. What does he do? He falls back on the word of God. And by Jesus quoting those scriptures, he was, he was confessing to God, I'm being tempted right now. And see, here's the thing. Jesus is human like, it was, is human like us. That means he was really tempted like you and I are. 
If he wasn't human, wasn't tempted like us, then there was no point to it. Yes, Jesus had no sinful nature. Unlike us. But when he was tempted, he had to to face those temptations in the same strength that we face it with. That's the strength that God gives us in those moments. So that's what Jesus did for it, did So when you and I are traveling on God's pathway for our lives and we come to those dark hallways, yes, it, we, we are being tempted. That's not sin, but we, you realize in that moment when we're being tempted, we need to confess, be honest with God, humble ourselves with God, saying, God, I am being tempted by this. We're looking at that dark hallway and we're thinking going about going down it because it has something that we really want, we really need in our lives. Do you realize that's what causes us to sin? There is some actual need that we have that we are seeking to be fulfilled outside of the will of God. You don't sin by accident. You sin because you know that this is outside of God's will, but I see this, I know I need it, or I know I think that I want it, I desire this thing, so I am going to go get it, even though it's not God's way and on God's pathway. But we do that because we have real needs that are not being met. And we live in a broken world. That provides us with broken ways to fulfill those needs. It's a dark hallway. Those people that are using drugs and alcohol to escape their pain, they're really in pain. They're really hurting and broken on the inside. And they're trying to get away from it. They're trying to make the pain stop, and they can't. So they're turning these things, thinking this will solve my problem. But you know what happens? It never does. It keeps them trapped in this endless cycle. There's people that are under pressure. Man, have you lived your life under pressure before? It's hard. It's difficult. And if you, could do, if you could find some way to just get, that, get rid of that pressure just for a minute, just so you can think. Can I give you an example? I remember in combat next, we had this training, two different, so the same training scenario, but we did it two different times in two different ways. And so it, it was that we were practicing a mass casualty situation. And I was in charge of our little squad because dealing with this mass casualty. And there's bodies everywhere. As I'm trying to navigate the situation, trying to soak it all in, trying to give orders to my, my friends to, to get them in this position to where we can succeed, my sergeant is right here in my face. And he is screaming at me. Come on, there's no, this, is, this is a training center. There's no gunfire. There's nothing real about it. It's just practice. But he is right here and he is screaming in my face to the point where I can't think. I can't put the thoughts together. I am struggling to give out the orders because he's right here screaming in my face. So I did pretty poorly. Let's just say that. We did not win. <laughs> but we did the same, we did a similar training scenario later where it was a, a fake marketplace that resembled somewhere in the Middle East. And it was me and three other medics, and there were 20 casualties strewn about the room. The next time we did this, though, the, the sergeant wasn't right here because we had already done that training spot. He was over here just watching. 
And it's amazing how different it went when he was just over there watching that hair here screaming in my face. Because my team, we treated all 20 of those, those, those casualties and had them ready to be, to, to be evac'd in about five minutes with four of us. That's what living under pressure is like. It's like your sergeant's right here screaming in your face all the time. It's hard to think. It's hard to concentrate. And if you, you just say to yourself, I can, if I can just get a little bit of space, maybe. And so we go out, we go looking for ways to create that space. And that's the dark hallway that the enemy uses to trap us. No. If we want to overcome the temptation, we want to overcome the urge to go down the dark hallway, we have to confess it to the Lord. We have to recognize that, Lord, there is something about, we may not know the reason really because we buried it for so long. It's become such a part of our identity. We don't know the real reason we're being drawn to it, but for some reason we're being drawn to that hallway. So what we have to do is confess to God, I am being drawn to this dark hallway. I don't know why, I, but I know there's something down there that my heart wants, that my body thinks I need, and it's drawing me that way, God. We, we look at, as we're confessing God, we look about and we see the destruction ahead of us that it's caused. And we say, God, I know this is cause, going to cause destruction. I know this is not your plan. But I need your help to see another way. I need you to show me what this need is in my life. I'm thinking I'm going to find over here and help me to trust that I'll get it from you. Help me to trust God that you are good and you have good things for me so I don't have to go looking in the darkness. I can look for it in the light of your presence. You see, our confession is recognizing the choice that we have between wisdom and folly, between God's way or the dark hallway. Confession is us inviting God to help us change our minds and change our directions. God can help us out of the dark hallway. We tremble, at, we, we, we tremble at the thought of dishonoring God, or we should. We tremble before God knowing the choices we have before us. But we need to remember that Jesus loves us and wants to meet our needs. Because that's the lie the enemy tells you. You're not gonna, Jesus is not going to give that to you, but he will. he will. He will help you meet that need if you need to meet that need. Jesus wants to help us mold our desires to God's desires. And through the Holy Spirit, God can lead us to meet those needs and fulfill those desires within His ways for us. God is good, has good things for us, but they are only on His path, not in the dark hallway. Now, sometimes we find ourselves on this dark path, hallway. We find ourselves there. There is a need or desire in our lives, and we thought we could meet it by going down this hallway, and now we're trapped. We know it's not God, God wants for us. We know we need to get out of here because we know what it leads to, but we're stuck. But there's good news. There's good news. No matter how stuck you are, Jesus offers you forgiveness. Jesus offers you forgiveness. You may have gotten yourself out into that mess. You may have gotten yourself stuck, but Jesus loves you way too much to leave you stuck there. 
And so he, if you call out to him, you confess it, he will come and pull you out. Each and every time. He offers this grace when we're stuck. Hey, I'm, I'm under no illusion if you're battling an addiction of some sort. I'm not saying that when you choose to follow Jesus, it's magically going to disappear. It could do that. Jesus can do that. But sometimes that, that healing process, that w- the, the way that he brings us away from those dark hallways is through healing. Healing us through healing our minds and our emotional selves. You see, we in the church for far too long have ignored mental health. We have ignored those emotional needs. But they're real things that need to be met. God made us that way. We are meant to find them in Him, but we live in this broken world. So they're missing. So sometimes in order for Jesus to heal us and help us away from that pathway, sometimes we have to go through a process of discovering who we are and why we're making these choices that we're making. And that takes someone way smarter than me. You know how long my pastoral counseling class was? It was six weeks. Six weeks. If you went to your surgeon who only had a class for six weeks on how to operate you, would you go to that surgeon? I'll do my best to help you. I'll walk and I'll share Jesus with you, walk alongside you. But guess what? There's going to come a point where I realize I can't do this. It's smarter than me. You need to go talk to this professional. They're trained. They studied. Go talk to them. And that's sometimes that's how we find healing. So if you're stuck today, confess to Jesus. It starts with confession. The path to healing starts with confession. You cannot change your mind and change your direction until you confess your need for help. But Jesus is ready to offer you grace, and he's waiting for you to confess it to him. Now, some of us here today, we're, we're not down the dark hallway, but we find ourselves staring at it. We're dealing with something. We think, you know, if I could, if, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really tempted because this is what's going on in my life. I know I shouldn't want this. I know I shouldn't want to go that way. But, but there's just something that's pulling my attention away from God into this dark hallway. Once you know that's not sin, that's being human. I'm not saying the human nature, I'm saying that's being human. You are a human being. Born of this world and living in this world. For far too long, we all have had to try and meet our needs and our desires through bad habits and ways that are down the dark hallway. And yes, we're walking on God's path now. But that doesn't mean we have it all figured out. You're being tempted because there's something down that dark hallway that you need. So confess to Jesus that there's something that you're lacking. Even if you don't know what that something is, you'll be amazed. He'll show you. He'll show you what it is. I'm going to share a story that more Nicole is going to share about. So, as I've been preparing for this, I've been thinking about something in my own life. Uh, one thing about Nicole and I, for the majority of our marriage, we end up both falling asleep on the couch. Not because we're mad at each other, we just fall asleep on the couch. Well, recently I was reflecting on why is that? And I was looking at, when, when did this start? 
was it wasn't when we got here. It, it, that was, a, it was already part of our habit when we were here. Didn't happen when we were at our last church. It was already happening. We slept in the room occasionally, but not like you know you would expect. Then I thought back to the churches before that, and again, it was the same thing. We now one of the rooms was like this, right? A slope like this that we were sleeping in. So that one I kind of understand, right? You don't want to go sledding in your sleep. But I traced it back, and I have, this is the part I didn't share with you. I traced it back to when we were living in Littleton, Colorado in a two-bedroom condo. It was just us and Jaden. And the real reason I think I struggled to sleep in the bed at night is because of fear. It has nothing to do with Nicole. I, but, again, this, uh, Nicole was pregnant between Jaden and Ben. And she got sick. She lost that baby. But what I remember, the night before it happened, I'm laying in bed, and I, in our bedroom, it's a, it's a ginormous room. I remember looking in the doorway, doorway, and I just saw this dark, shadowy figure. Can't explain it, don't know what it is. It was this dark, shadowy figure. But I know when I looked at it, I was afraid. But the next day, she lost the baby. And I had become so accustomed to living with that fear and that guilt and that shame for being afraid in that moment that I had just grafted into my identity and my being. I had buried it so far down that I didn't, I didn't acknowledge it. I didn't confront it. I just let that fear sit there and fester. Until Jesus revealed that to me. Just he and I talking. We all have stuff like that. That's why the dark hallways tempt us. What is your dark hallway? I want you to know that hallway is a trap that leads you away from Jesus. And I also want you to know that Jesus has a better way that leads to life. Seek Him and you will find it because He will lead you to it. I know that deep, dark hallway is scary. We can find ourselves trapped and hopeless in that dark hallway. If, we, if we've already gone down the path, we, we can think it's too late for us. But here's the thing. Jesus loves you. Jesus can save you. Jesus can help you get unstuck from that dark hallway. But again, we just have to be willing to repent and allow him to change our mind and, our, and, and the direction of our lives. And sometimes that might even involve getting help. But the first place to get help. The first place to begin is asking Jesus to help you. You may be dealing with temptation to sin. Again, that's an opportunity for us to confess to God and to seek His help in discovering what it is that's missing from our lives. Again, the place we always start is Jesus. If I can pray for you anyway, please message me and let me know. Um, But grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Burke Passman Podcast. It was recorded live at the Ravenna Church in Nazarene, located at 530 Main Street in Ravenna, Kentucky. You can learn more about the Ravenna Church in Nazarene by visiting ravnaz.com. 
And if you'd like to send me a message, just simply use the link in the show notes. 